0: Spiritual Sword Media presents The Anchor of the Soul with Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ in Olive Branch, Mississippi. to the rock which cannot move, grounded firm and deep in the Savior's love. And now, Mike Hickson. What does it mean to you to be faithful to the Lord? If you were to be asked the question, Who do you admire in terms of faithfulness to the Lord? How would you respond? There are a lot of people that we read about in the New Testament that no doubt were faithful to the Lord. The Apostle Paul, at least from my perspective, stands out in a very glowing way. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul sets forth really some very concrete reasons for being faithful to the Lord. And ultimately, what is before all of us is the hope of heaven. And so Paul sets forth the theme of his ministry. He talks about his trials during his ministry and then the triumph of his ministry. Back in chapter 3, he talks about how he has been appointed a minister, as a matter of fact, Paul was a minister of the New Covenant, which ultimately superseded the Old Covenant, that being the Mosaic Dispensation. And in chapter 4, in light of this New Covenant, he talks about the theme of his ministry. And so, for just a few minutes, I want us to think about being faithful to the Lord and what all that encompasses, because when you look at the life of Paul, you see the heart of a servant of the Lord. And really, his whole life, his whole, his whole mission in life was to lead others to Christ and ultimately to obtain that home in heaven. So first of all, we think about the thrust or the theme of his ministry. And if you want to sum up the thrust or the theme of his ministry, it would simply be this, Christ. Paul's life revolved around the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, if you would, at verse 4, or rather verse 5. In verse 5, Paul said, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Paul sought to preach Christ and Him crucified. And you can go back and read his first letter to the church at Corinth, and you'll hear him talking about the preaching of the cross. He said, To them that perish, it is foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Paul lived, as we have said before, a Christ-saturated life. And ultimately, his desire was to preach Christ and Him crucified, and he did so in a very plain and forthright way. For example, back up and look in chapter 3, and note what he says in verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, He said we use great boldness, some translations say, great plainness of speech. There's a need to be very specific in our preaching and teaching. And I think that when you look at the preaching endeavors of the Apostle Paul, you see somebody who literally laid it on the line every time he spoke on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was, as we said a moment ago, plain spoken. But back up and look at chapter 4. Note verse 2, if you would. He said, we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. When it came to preaching and teaching the word of God, Paul was honorable. In other words, he sought to faithfully discharge the truth of God. When he wrote to Timothy in his last inspired letter in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he could say, I charge you in the sight of God and of Christ Jesus. He said before the living and the dead, preach the word. Preach it, he said, in season and out of season. Paul in no way sought to distort the gospel of Christ. And think about how individuals today will sometimes mishandle. They will incorrectly divide the word of truth. And yet Paul said in Second Timothy chapter 2 verse 15, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If the word of God can be rightly divided, then I think the flip side of that coin is it could be incorrectly divided. Well, Paul sought to the best of his ability to be a faithful steward of the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, Paul was an inspired apostle. And so Paul literally took the revelation that he received from God and he distributed that to those who were his contemporaries. And so in verse 7 he said, We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Paul was an inspired apostle. Paul spoke or wrote or preached the commandments of God according to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Now if you would note the trials that he faced in his ministry. And look, if you would, at verse 8. Before we read (coughs) verse 8, let me just make this observation. When you begin to analyze the life of Paul, and you go back and note his conversion. Back in Acts chapter 9, you recall, he'd been on the road to Damascus. And while on that road, the Lord Jesus appeared to him. And he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul of Tarsus had been a vehement persecutor of those who were followers of the way. As a matter of fact, he did everything within his power to destroy those who sought to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, when they were put to death, over in Acts chapter chapter 26, he said, "I, I gave my voice against them. In other words, I consented to it. Well, even though Paul sought to destroy Christianity, you and I know that he was unable to do so, but the Lord appeared to him. And so the Lord instructed him in the long ago, instructed a man by the name of Ananias to go and to talk to Saul. And Ananias said in the long ago, I've heard by many some of the things that he's done. And the Lord said, go your way, he is a chosen vessel unto me. And then he said, I'm going to show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. If you begin to catalog the life of the Apostle Paul and chronicle the exploits that, that he faced on behalf of Christ, you'll see that here was a man that suffered immensely for the cause of Christ. When he penned the words in 2 Timothy chapter 3, at verse 12, he literally lived them out in his life. When he said, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Paul understood what it meant to be persecuted for the cause of Christ. Now, in light of that, Paul bore the cross, that is, when we talk about his trials, the trials of his ministry, well, it was the cross, the cross of Christ. In other words, he came to suffer. That is, Paul was a man who suffered immensely for the cause of Christ. The Lord had said, he had prophetically stated, you're going to suffer a lot of things for my name for my name's sake. And so note, if you would, verse 8. In verse 8, Here's what Paul writes. We are hard pressed on every side. And the idea is we're hemmed in. Yet he said we're not crushed. We are perplexed. The idea here is that they were without any kind of resources. He said but we're not in despair. We are persecuted but not, but not forsaken. He said we are struck down but not destroyed. A couple of things I want you to note with me as we think about the difficulties that he encountered in his life of service for the cause of Christ. First of all, if you would, note the fact that he says, we are hard-pressed on every side. In other words, we've been literally hemmed in. Have you ever faced certain situations in life, maybe because of your love for the Lord, in which you literally felt boxed in or hemmed in? And then he goes on to say, we are perplexed. We are without any kind of resources. Do you ever look at certain situations in life and and the outlook is very bleak? And you wonder, how am I going to get through this? How are we going to make it? I think about the situation we're in right now. And sometimes people say, well, things look very bleak. Well, sometimes it's all in how you look at things. And then note, if you would, he says, we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. When Paul wrote to Timothy in his second letter, over in chapter 4, he talked about how all men had forsaken him. And he said, I pray God that it would not be laid to their charge. But then he makes what I believe to be a tremendous statement of faith. He said, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. It may be the case that we're persecuted, that we, like Paul, are hard-pressed, That we are perplexed, that we feel as if there are no outward resources to help in times of need. And yet, amidst all of that, what we need to remember is the Lord will stand by us. As a matter of fact, not only will the Lord stand with us, but as Paul said, he will strengthen us. And then he said, we have been struck down, but not destroyed. Some of you may be fans of boxing. I've never been a boxer. I've watched boxing matches before, and I think about individuals that are in the ring, and they're going toe-to-toe, and they are trading blows with one another just repeatedly. And at some point in time during the process of that fight, one blow sends a man to the canvas. The opponent is not knocked out. But he takes what is called a standing eight. In other words, he may go to his knees, but guess what? He's coming back up. To me, that's what Paul is saying here. We've been struck down. We may have taken a standing eight, but listen. We've not been destroyed. You may knock us down, but we're not going to stay down. I think that's the way we as the people of God need to view life. We need to view our Christian service to the Lord. Listen, there are forces at work in our society, in our country today, wherein individuals may try to persecute us. They may try to put us down or put us in our place, as some would say. But we're not going to stay down. As a matter of fact, if anything, we're not going to to sit down. We're not going to shut up, if you please, but rather we're going to continue to stand up and speak up for what is right and for what is good. But then also in verses 8 and 9, note this. Paul says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. Note, if you would, how he really deals with adversity. He said, we're hard-pressed on every side, yet, or but not, crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Each time, but not, but not, but not. What's what's the idea here? You're not going to keep him down. You're not going to keep a faithful servant of the Lord down. Come what may. Paul's in this thing until death. And so look at verse 10. In verse 10, he says, Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Over in Galatians 6, 17, Paul talks about bearing the marks of the Lord Jesus in his body. Look at the life of Christ in Galatians. 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about the stripes that were laid upon the back of our Lord. And I think that he's going back and looking at the prophecies rendered by Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah chapter 53. And he makes application of that in 1 Peter chapter 2. Well, the Lord Jesus Christ had many stripes laid upon his back. And the Apostle Paul, as a result of his persecutions, may have had many stripes laid upon his back. And they may have taken him out, physically speaking. But Paul understood that there was a great future that awaited him with the Lord in heaven. And so Paul was he was a man who was literally faced with innumerable odds on many occasions. In looking at the trials that the Apostle Paul faced during his ministry, two verses come to mind. And here's the question. How do we get through difficulties? How do we get through trials or persecutions? How do we get through those standing eight counts? Let me tell you how we do it, just like Paul did it. Here's what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In verse 19 he said, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The source of his strength was the Lord. And that should be the source of our strength. And then finally, note the triumph of his ministry. Drop down and look at verse 16 if you would. In light of the theme of his ministry and the trials that he experienced during the course of his ministry, note if you would... The triumph, that is, the fact that as God's people, we will one day be triumphant in Christ Jesus. So in light of all of this, verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. You ever get discouraged in life? You ever feel like throwing in the towel? Look at at what Paul faced in life. We talk about the Apostle Paul being a faithful servant of the Lord. Listen, the Apostle Paul... He faced some tough times. And I think about if anybody could have been caught up in despair or discouragement or depression, Paul could have been the man. And yet Paul says, we do not lose heart. And I think that's, that's the way you and I need to view our Christian life. We do not lose heart. No matter what's going on around us, no matter how difficult the circumstances of life may be, it may be that we have family members, we have, fr- we have friends that are facing difficulties and discouraging times. It may be that our bodies are literally racked with pain. Maybe we have some kind of disease ravaging our body. Maybe we're being persecuted for our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever the circumstances, Here's the thrust of it. Do not lose heart. Why? Because there is a crown that awaits us. So, note if you would what Paul says. He's going he's to really contrast some things in verses 16 through 18. So, look at verse 16. He said, Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. There's a contrast between the outward man that is this physical body, this tent, if you please, that is decaying, that is growing older, that is wearing out, running down, as opposed to that inward spirit that is being renewed, that is being strengthened. Think about what Paul said over over in First Timothy chapter 4 when he said bodily exercise profits a little. Is it a good thing to work out to lift weights, to run, to exercise? Well, of course it is. Why? Because it helps our outward man. It, al- it also helps our mental outlook in life. But if you want to exercise the inward man, here's what you need to do. You need to spend time reading and studying the Word of God. Like the psalmist of old who meditated on the law of Jehovah day and night. you got to spend time in the Word. You've got to spend time on your knees in prayer to God. As Paul said, pray without ceasing. You look at the life of Paul. I can tell you one thing about Paul. Paul was a man of prayer. Paul constantly prayed for other disciples. And you can read some of his epistles and you'll see over and over again how he talks about how he prayed for these brethren. But not only did Paul pray for others, but Paul wanted others to pray for him. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 25, Paul said, Brethren, pray for us. We talk about building this inner man, strengthening this inner man. How do we do that? By prayer, by studying the Word of God, by worshiping God on a regular basis, because worship affords us the opportunity to bow in the presence of God, to reflect upon spiritual things, to take our minds off the affairs of the world and put them on Jehovah God. And then, to be involved in the work of God. To be involved in what the Hebrew writer called a labor of love that ultimately has with it a great reward. So Paul said, Look, the outward man is perishing. And Paul, the outward, this outward body that Paul occupied, this physical tent, this tabernacle that he talks about in chapter 5, Paul understood. That thing would all that that physical body would ultimately give way to death. But that inward spirit, that inward man would return to Almighty God. So he said, the outward man is perishing, but the inward man, oh, it's being renewed day by day. For our light affliction. Now wait a minute. Look back at what Paul said. He said, We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. If you ask me, it doesn't sound like light affliction to me. I can go over and read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Well, just turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11 for a moment. And listen to what Paul says about the things that he endured. Beginning in verse 23, he said, I am more in labors... More abundant in stripes, or in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Now you just put that in context with what Paul is saying here. For our light affliction... How would you like to have 195 stripes laid on your back? How would you like to be beaten with rods? How would you like to be stoned? How would you like to face all of these outward adversities? Well, none of us relishes the thought of such. But Paul viewed those things as light in comparison or in contrast to that which was before him. And so, in verse 17, he said, For our light affliction which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Paul understood the brevity of life. It may be the case that we suffer for the cause of Christ. It may be that we face many trials and tribulations here upon this earth. But they will one day soon pass away. Job said, man born of woman is of few days and full of trouble. Now look at verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So on the one hand, you have those things that are temporal. On the other hand, you have those things that are eternal. One is transitory. One is temporal. The other is eternal. How do you view life? Are you looking only at the things you can see with the visible eye? Paul is saying, listen, through the eye of faith, we look to that land that is fair, that is fairer than day. We, like the people of old, look for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Paul is saying, we're not looking at those things that are temporary and transitory in nature, but rather at those things which are eternal. The things which you can see with the visible eye, one day those things will be done away. They'll be destroyed, and so that's why we have to put emphasis on things that are eternal. Now, note if you would his confidence. We talk about the triumph of his ministry. If you were if you were to if you were to be asked, do you think the apostle Paul was a success in life? How would you answer? I would say he was. I would say that the Apostle Paul was a great success. Why? Because he was faithful to the Lord. Because he did what the Lord wanted him to do. Now, what about the triumph of his ministry? Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Here is his confidence. For we know that if the earthly house of this tent or this tabernacle is destroyed, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal In the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation which is from heaven. How many people in our world today, if you were to ask them, Do you believe in heaven or do you believe in hell? would say, I don't know. If you were to ask somebody, Do you think you're going to heaven? how many people do you think would say, I hope so or maybe so? Or do you think there's anything beyond this physical veil of tears? They might say, well, I sure hope so. Listen to Paul. We know. K-N-O-W. Paul is saying, we know. It's a fact. You can write it down. You can underline it. You can circle it. Whatever. It is a fact. We know that if this earthly tent, this earthly tabernacle, this physical body, is destroyed, is dissolved. Oh, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands. It's eternal in the heavens. That's why when Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, he could say, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give unto me. So I think about Paul, a faithful servant of the Lord. What is it that the Lord wants from us? Here's what he wants. Faithfulness. Are there going to be setbacks in life? You better believe it. Are there going to be bumps in the road? Of course there are. Are there going to be times in life where we may feel hemmed in and boxed in because of our faith in the Lord? because of our belief in Jesus Christ, because of the stand that we take? And the answer would be yes. It may very well be the case. But what the Lord wants from us is faithfulness, to stand. You see, our life is about Christ. Here's what Paul said in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ. That's what Paul lived for, Christ. He lived for Christ and he died for Christ and not only did he live for Christ and die for Christ but here is the important thing he died in Christ you see it's one thing to live for Christ it's another thing to die for Christ it's altogether different to die in Christ when you die you want to die in Christ because outside of Christ there's no hope and so Let me just close by asking this question. Are you faithful to the Lord? In other words, are you living day in and day out for the Lord Jesus Christ? I think about Christianity and it's the greatest way to live. We're not perfect. And there are times when we feel as if we've been knocked to the mat. But what we have to do is get up, dust ourselves off, and go forward. On many occasions Paul was knocked to the mat, but he kept the faith. Are you faithful? Have you begun a life in Christ? Maybe you're not a Christian. What would would you need to do to become a child of God? Here's what you need to do. First of all you need to believe Jesus is the Son of God. Without faith it's impossible to be well-pleasing to Him according to the Hebrew writer in chapter 11. Then you need to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. That's what Peter said on Pentecost Day in Acts 2, verse 38. When you do that, the Lord will then add you to the church, Acts 2, 47. And if you live faithfully until death, here's the promise, the crown of life, James 1, verse 12. If you'll live faithfully, the Lord will bestow on you that crown of life. Maybe you're here tonight, you're a child of God, but you've not been faithful. This is your golden opportunity to make things right with the loving God. John said if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you for listening to the Anchor of the Soul. Your speaker has been Mike Hickson, preacher for the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandage Road in Olive Branch, Mississippi. To hear this lesson again and to see video archives, go to olivebranchchurchofchrist.org. Tune in next Sunday for more of the Anchor of the Soul. When the clouds unfold their wings of strife When the strong tides lift and the cables strain Will your anchor drift or firm remain? We have an anchor that keeps the soul Steadfast and sure while the billows roll Fastened to the rock which cannot move